I'm Isander, he's Coda, and today we're going to be talking about all the stuff that makes the salamanders unique. As always, I don't choose these topics, you do. The poll is still running, and the Iron Warriors are currently winning by a fairly wide margin. If you want your faction to be seen, like the video, and then comment with whichever faction you want to see. The options are the Ultramarines and the Blood Angels, and the correct answer is the Ultramarines in this instance. So make your voices heard. If any of those options don't appeal to you, say whatever you want to see. That's the only way this happens, and it's the only way the Machine God knows that this is good stuff to recommend. So please do all that. Lastly, we have a Patreon. It helps keep the show running, and gets you access to a bunch of extra episodes every week, as well as a bunch of other perks we're going to touch on later in the episode. For now, there is no better place to start than with the meat suits they pilot. So we're going to touch on their bodily augmentations, because to get us up to speed, the salamanders are space marines. They're effectively these massive augmented super soldiers meant to be the best warriors you could possibly shape a human being into becoming, while they still technically count as a human being. And I mean technically. Um, they first go through brutal training that's just designed to grind you to dust. Think special forces training to an nth degree. And if you somehow manage to survive that process, which you probably won't, you will then have to go through augmentations where they just cram a bunch of extra parts in your body that shouldn't be there to begin with. Extra heart, extra lungs. They thicken up your bones so much you could support skyscrapers with them. You become much taller. You basically become nothing but muscle mass and the bare minimum fat you need to survive. It is ridiculous the levels of invasive procedures they go through just to become a marine. It's insane stuff. Some of them can spit acid. I don't even want to know the logistics that go into making a human being spit acid, but they still count as humans. But yes, they go through... They got their genetics infused with that one dinosaur from Jurassic Park. Basically, if the training doesn't end you, that probably will, because the entire time those procedures are happening, you're also being clockwork oranged, so you just have love for the Emperor and loyalty being beaten into your mind as you're on the table. <sighs> frightening yeah most surgeries in our world even the safe there's I, I will say this with confidence there's not a surgery on the planet that is invasive that is also a hundred percent guaranteed not to screw up that's just a fact surgeons leave tools in bodies sometimes it's rare i know we have surgeons who watch so this is not me slandering you it's rare but it happens more often than you might believe they're human they're human Everyone's human at the end of the day. Mechanics leave parts in engine bays. Doctors leave parts in you. It's just a fact of the game. <laughs> I just remember a story from a couple years ago of uh, some dude leaving, um, or some dude needing to take his Audi to a specialist mechanic because it's a German car. You they need always, a specialty mechanic. Well, they always need mechanics. And the dude left a Torx wrench in one of the cylinders. Mm, that's not great. That's really not great. Yeah, it's that can happen. So if the training doesn't get you, the surgeries probably will. But let's say hypothetically you make it through all of that. Then congratulations, you've become a weird augmented superhuman that is frankly unnerving to be around. And you have abysmal social skills with a few exceptions here and there. Space Marines, this is important to remember, are generally really weird to be around it's so bad that they even have this thing called transhuman dread that they inflict on others just by being around them and the basis of it is 
it boils down to nothing with those proportions. Nothing that big should move that fast. It's equivalent of somebody who's towering over you, weighs hundreds of pounds more than you, like a bodybuilder effectively, being able to sprint way faster than any human can, and in combat, it looks like they have aggressive aim assist on. It doesn't look like... you, you, you For those of you that are marksmen, you know what taking aim looks like. It's, it's usually a, a whole process with breathing involved, the whole nine. With a space marine taking aim, it's like a twitch, 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 twitch. He's and got wall hacks. It, it looks like they're cheating. They will see like three enemies moving in a unique pattern and just up, down, left, right. And they'll all be gone with single shots each. It's really weird to see something with those proportions doing this kind of stuff. And on top of all that, if you were ever deployed with one, first of all, you wouldn't. But if you were... You would need to rest at some point, because we're all human. Even the military needs watches. But you'd be sleeping, you'd wake up, he'd just be there. Fine. Just staring at you. Maybe you'd have heard him mumbling some prayers if he's from one of the more devout um, Space Marine chapters. But if he's not, he's just sat there, wide awake the entire time. And he's not sleep-deprived at all. This goes on for days without any issue. Whereas you need to worry about rations and all that. He'll just... Eat whatever is in front of him. I mean, if he kills a Tyranid, he can eat that without any issue. Yummy. Because they have, I think they have a spare gut too. To, they have, they, I believe they have a pre-digestive system to digest. To It's basically a pre-digestive system that is extremely caustic that will decimate anything that's potentially toxic. So it's really hard to poison a Marine too. Jesus. Mm-hmm. It, oh, another weird thing they can do, they can... Bite things and then gauge their chemical makeup. I'm not joking. The, it's weird. The Mechanicus was poisoning people on a planet for years because they have secrets they like to hide and they don't like people knowing. And they were pretending like the air is toxic. And so these guys were walked up to Marines and like, hey, you guys need these pills because you won't be able to survive out here without it. Even with these pills, we still drop dead of cancer within a few years. And the Marine goes, What? And he goes, yeah, no, this is a thing that happens. And the Marine goes, there's nothing in the air that I detect. Are you, give me one of those pills. And he bites into it, spits it out. It's toxic. He gives a readout of the toxins effectively. So they have like the weird elf eating flesh ability from Divinity Original Sin. Some can eat, some can eat the remains of their enemies and get parts of their memory. They do. Damn. The the Emperor built these guys, this is important to remember, to be the ultimate weapon. That means they, they have to be able to do the jankiest things sometimes to win. You This has to be your sword against the knight. They were literally designed to know no fear, but inflicted upon others. So that's something a lot of people actually lose about the Marines, is how, just frankly, odd being around one is because a lot of people think they're this ubermensch that can do anything they need to do and then go home to their gorgeous wife who looks just like margot robbie and they're perfectly sociable and they're good at everything they are categorically not they're very good at specific things and that depends on their their primarch they take a lot of this from their primarch i won't lie the primarchs are some really close to being like that tier of overwritten the primarchs 
they they accomplish a lot. They're they're the Space Marines' dads, effectively. We'll touch more on them later, but that's the important thing to know about Space Marines. They're just unnerving, frankly. I mean, if a Space Marine were to get a paper cut in front of you, you'd see it clot instantly and start scarring. They part of the reason Space Marines are drawn super ugly, like really butt ugly is because they have been augmented to scar aggressively because it, it helps in combat if you can do that, you know? If you get wounded, but you can immediately clot and scar, you can keep fighting. Even if it's not immediate, even if it's over the course of a few days, right? Whereas for me and you, it would take like a few weeks if it's a major one. That's still a big win. That's a that's a big win. Yeah, yeah. so they, they don't look like GQ models, right? They, 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 they look like warriors, you know? They look like a less hot Geralt of Rivia. I would say Geralt's a fair comparison because Geralt has scars from his line of work. I know, but G- Geralt still has like an attractive looking face. Yeah, but his body's definitely shaped to for the work that he does. Yeah. You look at Geralt and you go, oh, that tracks. Oh, you, you, you are, you are a monster hunter. Yeah. yeah they, the space Marines are like that pretty much. Um, today's guys are less horrifying. They still inflict that transhuman dread. Don't get me wrong. But the salamanders are the one and only, mostly, nice faction. There's others that are kind, but the Salamanders are... They they still do all the funky stuff that I told you about, but they actually will try and make small talk with you, right? If they're kids in the combat area, they'll help them find their lost stuffed animals. If rebuilding needs to happen, they'll gladly do that in their spare time. They love to do that kind of stuff. They are kind to a fault, if you get it's 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 like that person who will pour everything they have into others without necessarily doing the same for themselves they're that level of giving if there is a grenade placed in front of them the salamanders would be you know that one scene in captain america where he's the only one to jump on the grenade that's what the salamanders would do most other marines would laugh if you proposed this to them because you you want me to jump on that grenade for that one guy. No. 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 Simply not. I'm a, and, I'm a billion dollars right here. Me and, like, not including and my luck. power armor. And I'm luck. a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, you want me to sacrifice my life for one of that guardsman's lives? No. No. To be fair. That's tank tread gum. <laughs> that's not me saying they're not heroes. They are very heroic. They, some more than others, because there are some who will do this. They're just acutely aware of what they're actually worth in combat. They'll still sacrifice themselves for their fellow Marines. That They'll do that all the live long day. They'll sacrifice themselves for important objectives. But the difference between them and the Salamanders is it's almost like math for them. If they're told, I need to hold this ship because it is important for the Emperor, they will do everything it takes to hold that ship. But the Salamanders will just jump in front of a train. If, if you give a Salamander the trolley problem, They'll jump off and try and stop it themselves. They will not flip that switch. They will They will tie themselves to one of the tracks. Other space marines would look at it and go, well, one is less than five. They do what needs to be done, which is fine, honestly. They're, they're following their orders. It just depends on what their orders are. But the salamanders get this kindness to a fault from their primarch, Vulcan. Now, part of it is that when, space, when, when, when they're looking for new recruits to be a space marine... They, they, they do look for people with personality matrices that match up with what they're trying to do. 
right? So, for example, there's Gilliman. He's all about paying your taxes on time, which, by the way, if you're watching this in the future, finish the video, then pay your taxes on time. <laughs> but when he's looking for new recruits, he looks for people who are methodical. They're analytical. They're, they're numbers, guys. The people who'd use Excel to budget for their household, basically. That's who Gilliman would start from, right? Like, for example, if Gilliman was choosing a new recruit, Hermes Conrad would be the perfect person like from Futurama. Just the, oh. the, the epitome of a bureaucrat. Now, to be fair, once you're chosen, you then need to go through all this training and the augmentation. So by the end of it, it'd be less Hermes and more Barbados Slim. But regardless, regardless... That would happen. And in that process of getting all these extra bits shoved in and your genome altered, these personality traits will express themselves stronger. So, for our example, we're going to keep running with this. Hermes is already a fantastic bureaucrat. He's he like has a, a song about it. A bureaucrat level, level 53, right? I, I think... I, I desperately... I don't know how this hasn't been done. I desperately need art of <laughs> I need art of Hermes Conrad in full ultramarine power armor. Specifically, you know that one shot of Gilliman's revival where he's standing atop all his brother his battle his sons and they're all firing off in every direction and he's looking majestic, literal halo burning above his head with a sword. I, I just I need to see Hermes shopped into that or drawn into that. I know we have artists in this and oh 40k has some fantastic artists too. But if I could get that piece of art, I borderline would frame it if it's done well. Borderline. I need that, regardless. That'd be a, that'd be that'd be a background piece. Yeah. Um. There's this there's this guy. Oh God. I feel bad. I want to give him credit, but I can't think of his name. I've seen his art. He does Warhammer art in dark in, a, in, a, in the Dark Souls style. So there's this one shot he has of somebody walking into a boss fight, and it's Mortarian's massive wings unfurling, and you see like a health bar that says like Mortarian. <laughs> And it, it, he gets it down so right, and it looks so good. And I genuinely might reach out to him after this episode and get <laughs> commission him for to, in that same just amazing art style. But it's Hermes Conrad, it's Hermes Conrad in ultramarine armor with just like him sitting at a desk, paperwork everywhere. We're getting way off track. This may be a project I take on. I, I feel so guilty. I want to shout him out. But I can't because his name is escaping me. Fantastic artist. Um, it, it's, it was my background for a bit, Tier, of just godly. Regardless, these traits that Hermes is exhibiting would then be amplified further once he gets Gilliman's genes put in him, right? So he's already a fantastic bureaucrat. He'd become a nightmare. You would not want to battle him in legalese. You would lose every time. And that's what the salamanders do. In this case, they already pick from very kind people. We'll get to this one later too as well. Uh, just being a, a citizen of their homeworld nocturne predisposes you to having to be fairly kind for good reasons too. But they pick from those people and then once they get um, trained and they survive all that, they're indoctrinated, clockwork oranged, and then they also get Vulcan's gene seed put in them. That expresses itself over the top. So they are... The closest space marines to the heroes of the people. 
the knights of old. If you're writing a 40k story and you want a hero to ride in to save the town from a dragon, you're picking the salamanders to do this. Even if it's like a, if if you're writing like a D&D style story and they're adventuring and they'll detour to save somebody, you're going to pick the salamanders for that. That's how over the top it gets. It actually became a problem for a little bit there. <laughs> they were they were a bit too overzealous when it came to sacrificing themselves for others, but Vulcan reigned that in. We touched on that more in the first episode. You should check that out. Link is in the show notes. But what it boils down to is they know that unlike the Ultramarines who love the paperwork, the Salamanders realize you need people there to sign it. And so that's what they will fight for first and foremost. The people. That's their goal. That's their job. That's all they want, really. They also have a massive knack for pyrotechnics. I mean, it, it sounds weird. They're the nice guys. They're the, the, the hero to the common man. Why are they using napalm? Fair question. And my counterpoint would be, if you read in the news tomorrow that Bob Ross bombed an orphanage using napalm, you'd think they deserved it. (laughs) Because, and this is an argument made by one of the commenters that I fully agreed with, you want the most heinous weapons ever made to be in the hands of the kindest people imaginable, because when they use it, you'll know it was justified. It may sound weird that the Salamanders have a staff that will aid you to dust in minutes, but again, open up the newspaper and read page one. <laughs> Mr. Ro- <laughs> page one. Mr. Rogers attacks... <laughs> page one. <laughs> page one. Mr. Rogers takes off his red sweatshirt and douses the enemy in white phosphorus. You immediately have to ask, or I, maybe I'm, it's just me. You immediately ask, what did they do? What did they do? Because that's so out of left why field. Is, why is Mr. Rogers doing this? Why is Mr. Rogers using napalm all and white imagine, phosphorus? All I can imagine after the Bob Ross example is just like a vi- video of Bob Ross going, you know, there are, there are no mistakes. Only happy accidents. Well, there is one mistake. And then drawing a picture of, like, fat man dropping on an orphanage. That, that, that. Yeah. That, that's, he actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna fly by that. He used to be in the Air Force, actually. It's part oh. of why, yeah, no, it's, it's part of why he. He's such a kind guy. He never was wanted, such a kind guy. He never wanted to shout at people like that again, which is fair because he, I, I don't remember the rank he achieved, but he made it far enough to be commanding over others. And while I have friends in the military and they've, I've had friends, I've had role models who've been in the military and they've told me a lot of the time you can accomplish, you, you catch more bees with honey. That that's that's just how that works. So a lot of them understand that kindness will get you much further than shouting at people. Unfortunately, for some things, you do need to shout at people. And Bob Ross had to do that in the military quite a bit. And so when he left, he this source, trust me, bro. But I remember watching this as a kid, so I'm fairly certain this is accurate. I remember he never wanted to yell at anyone like that again or have to do that to anybody else. So he stopped. He stopped. He was also painting the entire time he was there. A lot of his scenes, like with the trees and the mountains, come from his time up in Alaska. So, 
Shout out to our Alaskan fans. They look like Alaskan, like, it's It's, it's, it's truly a beautiful country. I need to get up there when I get the chance. But regardless, that's the argument as to why the salamanders have orbital lasers and other terrifying, terrifying weapons. Orbit- that orbital napalm. Nobody else should have, but they get to have. Again, the age you to dust ray. Nobody else has that, but if the salamanders use it, you go, well... Maybe it wasn't justified, but the first question I'm asking is, what did they do? You know what I mean? Because the salamanders were like the ultimate mechanics. They were just using it to um, durability test things. Exactly. Speaking of fire, they are also extremely heat resistant. Fun fact, every legion gets some tweaks that are unique to them. Just like legion-specific stuff that comes from their their Primarch specifically. Like I said, some like paperwork, some like kindness, but sometimes it's a physical thing. And for the salamanders, um, they have some intense heat resistance, and it's not just from using flamethrowers all the time, because it, it, that would certainly help, but that that's not it. Um, see, whereas I personally cannot get sunburned, no matter how hard I try, cannot recommend you give that a try, Coda, <laughs> they cannot get skin cancer. As a fact, there is so much background radiation on their planet of Nocturne that they've just all become extremely highly melanated. So it's it's just like in real life where areas that get more exposure to UV rays, like the equator, you're going to have darker skin just as a result of being there. It's just an adaptation. The salamanders all have this adaptation. Now, I'm going to level with you. People get weird about this. I'm sure none of you, if you're watching this, you're fantastic. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. But some people have art of them as dark. I, I'm not talking black. I'm talking Vanta black. That's how some people draw them. And that's how they're attached. That's the image they have in their minds of the salamanders. Others have them looking more like yours truly, more of like a chocolatey brown situation, kind of like, a, again, adaptation to higher than normal UV rays. Now, people get touchy. People get touchy about this because it's a topic of debate. Why is beyond me? But whichever one you prefer, it's up to you, as with a lot of things in 40K. Ultimately, you're the one painting. If you want to paint a salamander in Black, go for it. If you want to paint them more brown, go for it. It doesn't matter. Personally, and here's my crackpot theory, I think this is one of the few things that's actually going to be canonically solved at some point. Because... (laughs) Oh God, when he laughs like that, I get scared. Because this is how it boils down. They're producing tons of Warhammer content as we speak. A live action show is definitely in the works at some point. And... Games Workshop is going to be faced with the simple, simple decision here of either A, casting actors who naturally have darker skin to play the Salamanders and just admitting that's what they look like, c'est la vie, or B, going the route of a frankly weird number of famous people in high school and just rocking blackface. And I cannot wait to see which way they choose to go. Either way, I'm watching. <laughs> but that's that's my crackpot theory. That's the way I think it's going to be settled. 
Because we can debate this all the live long day. There's a lot of things 40K loves to debate. This one is one that I'm positive. Should they ever choose to make a live action adaptation, it's going to be solved tomorrow. Because it's just that simple in my opinion. But either way, up no, to you. They just released the, the casting list and it's just like Justin Trudeau as Vulcan. You know you're going to have to put that image in now, right? God, if if they... I, I think... I would have to give them kudos if they sacked up that hard and did that. Just took some guy and painted him Vanta black. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> I'd still be watching it. I'd still be watching it. Just because the the levels of chest involved in that through and through. I would have to watch. Vulcan Hestan as Drake. <laughs> they just yes. Regardless, that's the way that discussion is gonna be solved in the future. If they ever do that. For now, fully up to you. Doesn't matter. Frankly, it's jarring to me that we pay any attention to what is effectively just a compound in our skin. That means some of us can't get sunburned and some of us can. That's really it. Nothing else to it. Jars me to this day that people give it more than a second worth of thought. Regardless though, they do also have other physical traits that make them stick out. Another key one is their eyes. I mentioned this in the last episode. Are They have heat vision, effectively. They're these dark, just deeply red. It, I don't mean like their, their irises. Like, you have blue eyes. It's not like they're red. You, you know the albinos have red... Well, some albinos have red eyes because of lack of melanin again. Um, it's not that situation. It's... All of it's red. It's like I bright mean, burning. There, there are no whites. Laser, laser eye red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are no whites in their eye. It's all red. And they call this fire sight. And what it allows them to do is see, they, not the full infrared spectrum, but they can see into it, which is pretty neat. Um, it gives them this really, really fun habit, according to one of their codexes, where they will hide little heaters here and there in their armor and their banners. So when they're coming into battle, salamanders, and this is also helpful for you guys, if you're painting salamanders, you can just paint them raw green. Because salamanders will just show up raw green sometimes, and everyone will go, well, well, well what organized, who are you people, right? Like, which, what, 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 what faction do you what belong? What faction of salamanders do you come from? Exactly. But this, to the salamanders, because there's all these tiny heaters, in, if you can see fire sight, they have all these intricate patterns emblazoned on them using the heat. That sounds really cool. It's so cool. And I would love to see an IR painted. I'm sure somebody has because there's so many talented painters in this community. But I'd love to see an IR painted one. But yeah, so they, they do that. And I, I just think that's so neat. That sounds really cool. Downside is... There are predators that can't see in infrared. <laughs> so the salamanders are beacons, but they were always going to be beacons. They're walking around with propane and propane accessories. They were never not going to st- stick out. So that's fine. The salamanders game is not being stealthy. The salamanders game is burning down the forest so that they can see you. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, this is also driven by this pride they have in their equipment M- more so than than your regular space marine because again 
a lot of the Imperium reveres technology. They truly do. There's this wonderful cinematic of how a space marine is armored, the entire cinematic, and you see just an entire team of people praying over it, the man himself kneeling, you know, each bit of armor slowly being placed on him as a prayer is being said. It's a whole thing, because in 40K, machines have spirits, and they're angry sometimes. So every... I'm not going to say nobody treats machines with reverence. They do. But... The salamanders specifically treat their works with reverence in the sense of like like the way a skilled blacksmith takes pride in their gear. It's that kind of situation. I mean, I can relate. Every time I start my car up, I pray. That's what the mechanicus does. The salamanders more it's like what in those really really cool hypercars like uh let's say uh oh no, McLaren doesn't do that. AMGs do this. Uh, Astons do this. In really expensive Aston Martins, when you open up the engine bay, you will see right on the, the engine block itself the signature of the man who built it. And they've been doing this for a, a, a while. So even in older Astons, you can find signatures of craftsmen long since past. And I think that's so incredibly cool. Now, are they so hilariously unreliable that I would have a lot of qualms driving one unless I had several zeros in my bank account? Yes. Do I still think it's incredibly cool that their engines are signed and they put that level of humanity into something that is otherwise fairly cold and unfeeling? Yes, I think it's very touching. And I genuinely think the world would be a better place if more people got to take pride in their work. Because there's nothing cooler to me than old German houses when they rip up the floorboards or old Scandinavian houses because I have a, a, a buddy who's up in Scandinavia. And when you rip up the floorboards and some of them in the, in the foundation, in the, the struts, you can see the signatures of the builders who'd made it. These are people who have passed years ago, but their work's still standing and they were proud enough to put their names on it. I feel like things would be a lot less boring and dreary if we let people have that kind of expression more, even in basic things, but regardless i think you can find the same thing in houses in yeah. like it's old, part of why architecture is so boring nowadays i i think i've mentioned this before but there's like london and then there's the city of london mm -hmm. and i can't remember which is which but one of them is like thousands of years old there's like a london within london mm -hmm. it's old old london well we have uk viewers they'll correct you um you can like pull apart buildings that are thousands of years old and you can find the signatures of like the architects in yeah. there. Because back then it was like, yeah. I mean, architects now are a whole thing. But architects in the medieval era were like a whole thing. Mm -hmm. you, and it's amazing. Well, well, the things we can accomplish with machinery today and yet we've just, we've, it's, oh, I love this quote where, uh, I don't remember what game it was, but the developers said, if given the opportunity, he, the players will optimize the fun out of the game. And with all the machinery we have for building, so it's hard to look at certain cityscapes and like compare them to like the Cotswolds, for example. And you're like, well, yes, that is definitely more efficient. It can house way more people, can have way more workers. It's way more efficient. But I understand why Jezza retired to the Cotswolds. I would too. It's beautiful. It's peaceful. Every building has a human touch to it. So that's the architecture tangent for the day. I'm curious for your thoughts on that, but... The salamanders embody that to a core, and what keeps them going on this is this belief called the Promethean cult. It is a kind of faith that they adhere to that's not quite more important than the emperor, but it's up there, and it is 
a calling to adhere to the teachings of Dad, Vulcan, and um, to worship Granddad, the Emperor. That's, at its really basic, what it is. Vulcan wrote out a lot of what worked for him and a lot of what didn't work for him. And that's the basis for this cult. He didn't see how far it would go, obviously, but that's the foundation of it. And I'll be fair, if a demigod who towers over you writes down, hey, this is what worked for me, hey, this is what didn't work for me, I'm following that to the letter, pretty much. He figured something out. And a lot of what he figured out boils down to you have to be a defender of the weak, you have to be loyal to the bone. You can never snake any of your friends. You have to be there for them. You have to do what's best for the bigger picture, not yourself. And most importantly, you can never, ever give up. You always fight to the last man. You have to. Never give up. Never back down. That's going to date this episode. I hate that. <laughs> but... A lot of this, I'm going to power through, comes from how brutal Nocturne is as a planet. We mentioned this earlier, but their major cities are not called hive cities, or just cities like we call them here, but sanctuaries. It's, it's this constantly geologically active planet with a massive moon way too close to it all the time. So it is constantly warping and twisting the crust with every pass their tides tides are are tsunamis yeah their tides are massive tsunamis and every 15 years it gets that's the closest approach to the planet and it turns into a roland emmerich movie every volcano on the planet starts erupting again earthquakes are happening constantly and you know the way in real life when an earthquake is bad enough the ground beneath you stops acting like a solid instead starts acting like a liquid that is what happens planet-wide. There are these massive heaves, like Roland Emmerich does such a good job of this. I think it's in 2012, but the guy clearly just likes disaster movies. I can never fault him for that. But there's all these shots of massive cities just moving with this tidal wave of land almost. That's what they're dealing with on a daily, well, not daily, but once every 15 years basis. It's horrible. If you build anything ramshod on this planet, it won't last. If you try and go it alone on this planet, it will not last. There are actual dragons on here. You have to stick together. You have to make it work as a team. Because if you don't, you won't You're going to go get eaten. You will Or like fall into a land sea. These things are so brutal that everything living on the planet, because they have a lot of reptiles on the planet... Will just die during this. And the only thing that really survives are their massive salamanders that survive the cold period that follows by hiding in volcanoes. Yeah. yeah. Everything this is this is like super Australia. <laughs> Pretty much. This is like Australia times two. Yes, it's basically like Australia cranked up to eleven. Oh, but just two. <laughs> They've taken this and run with it, though. They've managed to thrive in spite of it. And a big part of it is these teachings of the Promethean cult. This has also led them to really taking a liking to the iconography of the Forge and Pyromania in general. It's part of why they they like fire so much. Why their Um, logo is a dragon. 
There's basically no salamander get-together, no salamander function that doesn't involve a fire pit raging. No. Their retirement plan, which is not a 401k, but the burning walk, is a solitary pilgrimage to a vast inferno cosplaying as a desert where none return. And it's basically only for the people who are aged and can no longer have the dignity of death in battle, so they have the dignity of death in fire, or for those who wish to temper their souls and come out stronger for it, only one person has. Oh, It's an inferno, just pretending to be a desert. It's not great. I'm surprised it's not glass, frankly. It's terrible. The rock on vol- or the rock on uh, Nocturne has to be not rock. It's like tougher than rock. I don't know how it manages. However, uh, like I said, it, it, their their highest honor, their creme, what they hope to die as is in combat, specifically in the defense of others. That's how you get into Salamander's Valhalla. That's that's the money stuff. That's fantastic. When this happens, your remains will be cremated, either on the spot if they need to, or transported back home. And when the fires are raging, don't know if you know this, it takes a lot of heat to burn a human body. A jarring amount, frankly. It's not a campfire. It's a lot more. Um, But this raging pillar of fire, they will then, their battle brothers, the people who served with the fallen, will then all take an arm and shove it into the fire. And then mourn that person's loss as it rages and tell their stories. Sometimes they'll sing hymns. Sometimes they'll just lament their loss. All Wolf Fist is still on fire, right? Yeah. Heat resistant. I told you they're extremely heat resistant. Uh, if a captain happens to fall, they will combine the promotion and the funeral into one get-together. So they'll lay the captain on this massive, dark slab of marble... And they will slowly lower it into a massive pit of fire via chains. Now, these chains are held by the captain to be. And on them are different symbols that are sacred to the salamanders all along these chains. As this slab descends into the lava, obviously, the body's burned. That's, that's the funeral part done with. However, the heat will travel up the chain. Because heat, uh, metal is a fantastic conductor of heat. Conductor, yeah. This is the hard part. The salamander then has to hold on to it and slowly feed it back carefully, ensuring that the burn marks are in the perfect pattern. Because if they don't do it correctly, it's seen as a mark of shame and not a mark of honor. So they have to sit there and effectively just slowly get these symbols emblazoned on them as they're lowering and then raising the now empty slab back up. And that's how they get their marks. That's not all, though. They then (laughs) stand on this dice, and somebody pushes a button, which will cause a frankly comical pillar of fire to rage up from beneath them and just completely envelop them. And they just have to firm it. They just sit there and firm it, and a regent present will then say, Vulcan's fire beats in my breast, to which the captain-to-be will respond, and with it... I shall smite the foes of the emperor, upon which the flames will cut out. Yeah. <laughs> I told you, they're very heat resistant. My god. <laughs> right? My god. <laughs> and congrats. That is how the salamanders get their annual 13 cent raise. Imagine, you work at Target, 
and you're a grocery clerk. And they say, oh, yeah, we're giving you a promotion and a raise. Oh, sweet. Do I just need to sign some papers? And they're just like, no, go stand on the target. Go stand on the target. That's, I'd quit. I would quit. The moment they said, go stand on the target, I'm not that guy. You can keep the 13 cents. You can keep them. It's, it's fine. It's whatever. Speaking of 13 cent raises that I unfortunately do not get anymore. Honestly, in this economy, pretty much nobody does anymore. You can help us keep this boat afloat, however, by heading on over to patreon.com slash Code or clicking the link in the show notes. There you get access to an entire backlog of content. I'm talking months of episodes. Episodes on Sigismund, the Death Corps of Krieg, some mint stuff, honestly. Some of my favorite episodes as well as access to the community Discord, which we're both very active in, and you just help keep this show afloat. So if you want more of what you already love, while knowing deep in your soul that you've done your right thing for the month, head on over to patreon.com slash Coda to get access to all those bonus episodes and help us continue to make them. Thank you so much for those of you already there. Thank you so much for those of you doing that as I speak. Now, congratulations. You're now part of one of the most oddly organized groups of Space Marines, and... This is great, because when you're not burning things to a crisp, you do get to keep in contact with your family. You do get to spend time with a common man. A lot of Salamander's spare time is just spent with the people on Nocturne, just helping them out. They they genuinely are a sociable group. They will hang out with each other all the time. And this does occasionally lead them to being treated like weenies. It's like, oh, look at him, the guy who's weeping for the lost. But it's like... Every time somebody tries to underestimate them like that, they are always so sorely proven wrong almost immediately. Because because they will not only win against impossible odds, but they'll also save so many lives in the process that it's not a campaign, it's a humanitarian effort. And that's really what they get up to most of their time. However, it is not all sunshine and rainbows. Their culture does emphasize endurance and self-sacrifice that does also give them a stubborn nature which is kind of a good thing you you want to be you have to be stubborn to keep living in the circumstances that they live under however this does occasionally become just being outright obstinate they every well not well yeah every most primarchs have a curse to them where it's it's their trait but twisted where it's it's the logical end point and the worst bits of this trait. The salamanders will first start by being really, really hard to change their minds once they've decided on something. Once they've made up their their minds on what the best course of action is here, they're like that one stubborn friend of yours who you just can't get to change their mind, right? If this continues, they will then be completely unable to compromise. They will not even see any viewpoints other than their own and they will not be able to work with their squad only choosing to work alone in some cases and if this continues they can dig in so deep that they would rather die than change their minds so if they say i am staying here and everyone else is leaving they will stay there and so that is the downside of it other than the constant self-immolation, having to hold on to hot chains, and retirement program that is, go to the Sahara for a week, without any water. It's it's kind of a hard knock life, but they're really good, they're really fun. I'm a huge fan, as you could tell, and 
that wraps up our episode today on the salamanders. Characteristically speaking, it's a furnace in the studio it right now. It is very hot. I want to go get water right now. And we will once we do our foreign frack off. Or international incident. It's a working title. That's the full title. You broke the streak on the Patreon episode. I have my victory. I have I have ascended. I have my crown. Yeah, I'm a look, happy man. We're going to restart the streak. This is Snapchat. You can restart the streak. He's going to forget again. This week's winner is Brazil. Um, again. Again? I think they've won one other time. Have they won one other time? I think so. They've been persistent since day one. I have to give Whoops. them credit. Oh, do. No, they have won one before, like a while ago, back when we first started doing it. That's exactly right, yeah. Props to you guys. Mm-hmm. You keep winning. So, anyway, the fun facts that I have for Brazil today are... Um, Starting, I have four. Starting with the first one. Brazil was one of the only nations in South America who sent troops to go fight World War II. They were involved? Yeah. What? Everywhere else was pretty much neutral, mm. um, but they they were one of the allies. Okay. Okay. Was there any, re- like, respectfully, like, why? Out of curiosity. Was it was it like World War One where they were dragged in because of an ally? Did they join the fight against evil? Like- I think you're thinking of Mexico. Mexico was dragged in because of an ally. No, but I'm saying like World War One only started because this guy was friends with this guy. And so when this guy got spited, that guy had to get involved and that guy's friends with this guy. And so I was wondering if that's how Brazil got involved. I couldn't find exactly what their motivations were for joining, joining the fight. Mm-hmm. But generally it was, I don't like Germany. <laughs> generally it was. That guy ruined Charlie Chaplin's mm. mustache forever. Let's get him. Let's get him. Pretty much. Poor Charlie. Well, I mean, he was. Poor Charlie Chaplin. That's what I'm going to say. That mustache has not aged well on him. And no. he couldn't have known. It was in at the time. Yeah. And it's never going to be usable, at least for another 100 years. Minimum 100 years. He he killed a brand of facial hair. Ron Jeremy tried his best, and he still couldn't kill the stash. And this guy knocked it out in, a f- well, it wasn't a few years. It was a whole process. But, yeah. Go on. Poor mustache. For the second fun fact... Um, for a time, Portugal had moved their capital to Rio de Janeiro, meaning that Brazil is home to the only European capital outside of Europe. Really? Yeah. During the Napoleonic Wars, for a time, Portugal was not safe in Portugal. So they moved the Rio, they moved the royal family to Rio and To be fair, that Napoleon was, the was a problem for everyone, and also that reminds me that if I remember correctly, the Portuguese are very upset because Brazilian Portuguese is starting to catch on with their kids because their kids are watching internet content and Brazilian internet content creators are doing a much better job of teaching their kids than Portuguese Brazilian content creators. And and so you have this weird thing where it's my parents speak, you know, Portuguese, Portuguese, but their kids sound like they're from Brazil despite never setting foot there. How is this happening? It's a whole thing. There's some drama to this. There's layers to this. Some people are upset. The Brazilians are doing victory laps. The Portuguese don't know what to do. It's, is there just going to be one dialect of Portuguese? Is this just how it's going to go? There's, there's a fight for Portuguese going on at the moment. And it's being, it's being held right here on YouTube. It's the most jarring thing to see. It genuinely is. What a wonder the internet is. Right? Speaking of capitals, though, Brazil has had three. The okay, first Brazil tr- is massive. Maps don't do it justice. It's huge. It is. It is like the size of Europe, and then some change. I think it's that's massive. It's massive. Um, 
The first chosen capital was Salvador from 1549 to 1763. Mm -hmm. And then in 1763, it was moved to Rio de Janeiro. And it stuck there until 1960, where it moved to where it is today in Brasilia. Brasilia. Yeah. I'll be honest. I may come off as ignorant. I thought it was still Rio de Janeiro. Uh, That's what most people think. I I thought, I'm I'm sorry. I genuinely thought so. Well, it's, it's... But did you say it moved in 1960 or 1860? 1960. Okay, well, you know what? I've only had 40 years to learn. 80. 80. 83. Last fun fact. Don't, don't enjoy your victory lot too but much. But the last fun fact, speaking of the capital city of Brasilia, mm-hmm. um, that city is home to the largest permanently hoisted flag with no days down in between. The flag measures 70 by 100 meters. For the non-metric audience, that is about 230 feet by 328 feet. It's huge. It's so large that it frequently tears under its own weight and needs to be replaced every month. Well, but then you said it was hanging contiguously, I thought. Yes. As soon as one flag comes down, the other flag goes up as it's coming down. That's so... I love Brazil. The weirdest infrastructural thing about this flag is it hasn't missed a date, and every time a flag needs to come down, a different state in Brazil pays for it. That's a good way of running it. They rotate through every state, and the... like, it's a fair way of running. When you're in yeah, line, you pay yeah, for the flag. That's perfectly fair. That makes sense. Yeah, every every time I look into Brazil, it's just such it's just such gorgeous corner of the world. I would love to visit there too. Fish this big, Christ the Redeemer. Fish this big, Christ the Redeemer. We were playing a, a, a game of uh, Civ Six recently, and we had a fight for the Christ Re- the Redeemer statue. And the entire time, I was annoying him, just calling it the Fish This Big statue. Yes. But thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you want your country to get some fun facts, you got to represent them in the comments. Some of you drop flags. Some of you drop whole comments. It's up to you. However, it's your jar of dirt. So you better represent it. We will see you next week for the winners who are looking to be the Iron Warriors. But it could be taken. They're being, they're sieging. They're siege fortifying. So they're sieging at the moment. It's possible, but the Blood Angels could swoop and the Ultramarines might come in. Who knows? I mean, the Blood Angels do have wings. They'd be more suited to swoop in. I need this. Um, Thank you for being you.